When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Instagram Tony at Tony underscore Liebert. That's Tony L I E B E R T. Um, for today's episode, I'll be recapping the Gophers' disappointing six to fourteen loss at home against Illinois. Um, I'll be talking about the offensive debacle. Um, how uh the passing game Tanner Morgan and Mike Sanford uh Jr reached this point and what happened to them um and where the gophers uh will go from here looking ahead to the rest of the season because not all is lost Takeaways from the uh, Gophers' six to fourteen loss against Illinois. Um, I think the biggest takeaway is uh, whatever the absolute heck happened in the passing game. Um, Tanner Morgan was fifteen of twenty-eight for one hundred and eighty yards, no touchdowns, and two ints. Um, the biggest question from this game is if he should be benched. Um, I'll, I'll get into that uh, answer later in the episode, but I think everyone who's a fan of Gophers football has an opinion on this, so I, I will certainly get down to that later. But his 28 pass attempts was his most this season. Um, the third time this year he's been over 20 passing attempts, he had 25 week one against Ohio State and 24 against Nebraska. Um, but in both those games, he topped 200 passing yards. This one, he was obviously at 180, which was his third highest total of the season. Um, schematically, the thing that makes the most conf- that makes me the most confused when watching this passing game is um, the the intermediate passing routes. Uh, when Tanner's been successful this season against Nebraska, uh, he's been hitting those intermediate routes, getting uh, Crab involved uh, early, like ten or less yards. Uh, this this week, not until the second to last drive of the game, um, Tanner had a completion of ten or less yards. He's never been a good deep ball thrower, 
Um, so it's just he's being forced into situations he's not good at. Like, he can't throw the ball deep, plain and simple. I would assume that he would even admit that, that his the strength of his game is not arm talent. And he I don't think he has the arm talent to make consistent throws deep. So uh, if, if Tanner remains the quarterback, he needs to uh, be in those uh, short passing route situations because that's where he's successful. He gets the ball out of his hands quickly, and he makes good de decisions there. But when you're asking him to go four verts every play and chuck it deep, it's hard to do for a guy who simply doesn't have the arm talent to make those throws. Um, but then as for the guys he was throwing to, uh, Chris Ottenbell only had two targets. Uh, that was very, very weird. Uh, uh, Mike Brown-Stevens led the team with seven and then uh, Brevin Spanford and Daniel Jackson were second with five each. Um, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later as well, but the the target share was odd this game uh, for sure. And then obviously the name everyone loves to talk about is uh, Mike Sanford, the offensive coordinator for the Gophers. Um, as an offense against Illinois, uh, Minnesota had 89 rushing yards, which was its fewest all season. Uh, the second lowest total was 175 against Miami of Ohio. So Sanford was obviously tested in this game. He had to get out of his comfort zone. Uh, this offense has leaned so heavily on the running game, and this was the first time all year it didn't work. Uh, the 35 carries as an offense was the fewest all season. Uh, behind the second fewest was 45 against Bowling Green. So that's a big difference. Um, and like I said, the 28 pass attempts were the most. So this was a very abnormal game for the Gophers. They did not play like they have all season. They were asked to do stuff that they haven't they haven't shown this year. Um, it was the first time Minnesota was forced to throw. And they looked confused, scared, and flustered. Like I said, the intermediate passing rounds. It's just putting um, Tanner into situations where they can succeed. That That's what the purpose of a coach is. It's to put their players into situations and into positions where they can succeed. And I don't know if it's Sanford's fault. I don't know whose fault it is. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not at practice. But uh, Tanner Morgan is not being put into situations where he can succeed. He's certainly not playing well. I'm not defending how he's been playing. Uh, I'm not saying that it's none of it is his fault. I would assume so. he would admit some of it is his fault. But he's not in favorable situations right now. He's being asked to do things he's just not good at. And that's just not good coaching when it, when it comes down to it. Uh, it's not good playing either, but it's certainly not good coaching. Um, so that now everyone wants to talk about what the Gophers should do because everyone's asking for a change. Um, knowing PJ Fleck and a guy who's built his program on culture, personally, I would be kind of surprised if there was a change mid-season. I would assume PJ is not that type of guy to uh, do changes even let alone mid-game, but definitely not mid-season. Um, if he does, uh, Matt Simon would be the uh, the 
easiest choice to take over play calling duties. He was he's technically the co-offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure who uh, is he could be calling plays. PJ is always very um, discreet with saying what his team is doing. So I think if he, if there was a situation where he gave play calling duties to Simon for a game, like let's say he does it next week for the Iowa game, I don't think he would announce it because he technically doesn't have to. He's the type of coach who's very discreet with the injuries. Uh, he he doesn't share information. He doesn't have to. Um, but if I were him, that's what I would do. Um, I don't think you have to fire Mike Sanford. Uh, let Simon call plays for a game. Personally, if I was the head coach of this football team, I would let my, Matt Simon call plays against uh, Iowa. He called plays in the Outback Bowl against Auburn, and it obviously worked great. He looked very comfortable, and uh, they obviously took down a formidable SEC opponent. I would let him call plays against Iowa, and I would keep Tanner Morgan at quarterback because – um, this team still controls its own destiny in the Big Ten West. And you don't want to just go changing a bunch of stuff willy-nilly. Because if uh, you give play calling duties to Matt Simon, and let's say you bench Tanner Morgan and start Zach Hanekstead, and nothing changes, then you're not even going to know what the problem was. You're not going to know if it was Mike Sanford. You're not going to know if it was Tanner Morgan. You're just going to think maybe just our players aren't good. But if you uh, if you change play calling and give it to Matt Simon and Tanner's still struggling, then you have an answer. Then it's Tanner. It's not the play calling. And if uh, you give it to Matt Simon and Tanner plays well, then it's the play calling, not Tanner. Uh, I think that's more realistic for what would will happen. But I don't think either one will happen personally. Um, as for the rest of the, the team against Illinois, the offensive line certainly did not help Tanner. Um, they uh, The offense had their fewest rushing yards all season, like I said. Um, since the Bowling Green game, they only have allowed one sack heading into Week 10 against Illinois, and they had six against Illinois. Now, that's a little bit um, on Tanner holding the ball too long. It's a little bit on the receivers not getting open, but... Uh, it's definitely some on the offensive line. Now, everyone likes to blame the offensive line for sacks and say, oh, it's the pass protection, the pass protection. It's a, a lot has to do with the quarterback. No, there's not offensive lines in the country that can pass protect for eight seconds. Like, that's an ab absurd ask against uh, an Illinois defense that's not great, but it's certainly not a pushover. Um yeah, but so the offensive line had allowed two sacks against Ohio State, one against Miami, one against Colorado, and four against Bowling Green. And then since then, they've allowed one, which I believe was against Purdue or Nebraska. Can't remember, but and then six against Illinois. So something clearly changed, and they were clearly seeing something that they didn't uh, weren't expecting. Um, but as for the defensive side of the ball, they allowed the back-to-back -back touchdowns on the start of the game, which ended up being the difference, but can't blame anything on them. Forcing seven straight punts after back-to-back uh, -back touchdowns, one of which came off an opening drive INT, which is always a tough ask for a defense to uh, 
stop the opposing offense when they have that kind of momentum. But uh, just a great performance all around again. Um, and lastly, the biggest takeaway from this game, uh, it might not look like it now, but this team still controls its own destiny in the Big Ten West and still can play in Indianapolis for a Big Ten championship. Um, so going more specifically onto the offense, should Tanner Morgan be benched? Uh, if you ask that question, the easiest uh, answer is who will replace him. Um, so Zach Anikstead obviously would be the uh, easiest replacement and the one that would make the most sense. Um, in 2018, Anikstead technically beat uh, Tanner in a quarterback competition, but then obviously Anikstead got injured and uh, Tanner took over the job and ran with, with it and never looked back. Um, so there's no really telling how different this offense would look with Anikstead at quarterback, uh, but he has zero pass attempts since uh, 2018, since he, his last uh, start. So um, there's really no... It, for a team that's still competing for the Big Ten West especially... Uh, personally, I don't think it would be a, just a stupid decision to replace Tanner, but knowing how PJ has run this program and how he handles himself, I would be kind of floored if Tanner gets benched, especially heading into this week. Uh, I, I don't know if he plays poorly next week. That's a different story, but like PJ does not seem like the guy that wants to like blow up the, blow up the ship. Well, it's still sailing. Um, but the other option to replace Tanner would be Cole Kramer, who's obviously been effective as a Wildcat quarterback this year. Um, 30 carries for 147 yards, two touchdowns. He's really looked very good as a runner. And he completed another pass against Illinois. He's two, now two for two for 25 yards and a touchdown on the year. Um, so he could uh, fit in in the... Uh, quarterback role, I would assume there'd be a lot more runs, something that the Gophers would obviously like to do. Um, but I, I, if uh, they replaced Tanner, I'd be shocked if it was Cole Kramer. The only person who's going to replace him is Anikstead. But obviously, it's, it's still a possibility. Even if Anikstead replaces him, they could just mix in Kramer a little bit more. But uh, like I said earlier, I personally uh, would give... Simon the play calling for a week, and if Tanner still sinks, you can bench him at that point, reevaluate at that point. But, um, because there's against Illinois, there were three major holes in the boat. Uh, and Morgan, it was Morgan's uh performance, it was Sanford and the play calling, and it was the offensive line. Patching one of those holes will not fix the other two. Uh, so a quarterback change. Like I said, on a team that's built on culture, could impact the locker room. Uh, everyone obviously loves Tanner, and there's no telling how people would react to uh, him getting benched. Uh, his team kind of has rallied around Tanner, and he's obviously one of the biggest leaders on the team, and he'd still be a huge leader if he got benched. But um, it, it's just, if Sanford's still calling plays and a quarterback change happens, uh. I, I don't think that's going to accomplish much. I, I think it's uh, certainly more likely for there to be a quarterback change than a play call in change. 
But uh, I don't think if Sanford's still calling plays, a quarterback change would accomplish much much at all. Um, but yeah, it's I it's going to be a decision that uh, that'll be the story of the season. Um, I don't think anyone has the right answer. Uh, but this is kind of what. Uh, this is why PJ Fleck was extended. This, good coaches make the right decision in this area. I'm, I'm not a good football coach. I told you what I would do, um, but this this decision will be why or why not this team plays in Indianapolis for a Big Ten West championship. Plain and simple. Um, the performance against Illinois can't happen again. That was just not like enjoyable football or productive football at all. And I think everyone knows that. I think Tanner knows that. I think PJ knows that. Um, but uh, to the rest of the team against Illinois, uh, the running backs, uh, Kai Thomas and Bucky Irving had their probably each worst game uh, as a gopher, but it, neither one was really a bad game. They just weren't asked to do much. Uh, Kai had 16 carries for 60 yards, and then he was involved in the uh, passing game. He had four targets for three catches and 19 yards. Uh, Bucky had five carries for 26 yards. And, like, they just weren't ever ever, ever able to get into a rhythm because they just weren't asked to do much. Um, it was great to see Kai get involved in the passing game as a receiver, but I, I don't think this really affects uh, their outlook for the rest of their season, especially the rest of their career. I think they're both going to be great players. It's just sometimes game script doesn't go into your favor. Just, like, I'd assume most people listening to this play fantasy football some weeks your star running back doesn't get many carries because his team's losing. So our two-star running backs didn't get many carries because our team was losing, plain simple. So uh, I don't think there's much they really could have done about it, but I thought they played pretty well when they were given the opportunity. Um, I think this was the offensive line's worst game of the season, to be honest. Uh, obviously, Tanner was holding on the ball for a long time, and it's such a tough ask for any pass protection to keep protecting for that long, but not to call out people especially, but Sam Schluter, obviously, the left tackle, had a game that I think he would uh, want to forget. Um, at least two of those six sacks were uh, on that left side, and you could uh, say that it was it was not his fault specifically, obviously, but uh, his play did not help uh, Tanner's protection. I'll just leave it at that. Um, like I said, a lot of blame on sacks often go to the offensive line. They're, they look at, oh, Tanner's not having time to throw the ball. Look how long Tanner's holding on to the ball. Uh, if, if he's holding on to the ball for eight seconds, it's impossible for an offensive line to block that long. Uh, just naturally, defensive linemen have the advantage because they're getting a running head start. They're running at you. So it's just hard to stop a uh, defensive lineman for that long. It, it, and often sacks go on the quarterback and they go on the receivers. Like I've, uh, I don't mean to sound like a broken record. I've said that, said that a few times, but it's the, tr the honest truth. Um, and then as for the pass catchers, like I said uh, earlier, Ottman Bell uh, oddly only had two targets. Uh, he had one catch for 24 yards. Uh, Mike Brown, Stevens, seven targets, three catches, 22. 
Spanford and Jackson each had five targets. Um, Spanford had four for 49. Jackson, two for 20. And Dalen Wright had his best game for in a while. He had two catches for 46 yards. And then Coquif had a catch for 20 yards. Um, Crab needs more than two targets. Uh, Morgan, like I said earlier, he had his best game of the year against Nebraska, where Crab had 11 targets or 11 catches for 103 yards and a touchdown. Uh, it, it was getting the ball into the playmaker's hands early where Tanner found success in that game. It, it was the quick screens to Crab, the, the quick slants, the over the middle routes that helped Tanner get into a rhythm. And then on play action, it opens up the deep ball where he can throw to an open receiver because he doesn't have the arm talent to throw his receivers open 30 yards down the field, plain and simple. Um, and I think Dalen Wright needs to get more targets. Uh, good things have always happened when he's gotten the ball. He's obviously had a, a few off-the-field um, situations he's had to handle, um, but he looked healthy he looked good uh he looked comfortable out there he had that uh beautiful catch on one of the last drives of the game um i think he just needs more targets he's a talented talented receiver and just good things will happen when he gets the ball defensively um it was another great all-around performance uh, obviously they started slow allowing touchdowns on the first two drives of the game but then they forced seven straight punts um for a defense that's been playing so well, they're bound to slip up. And you can't blame, obviously, this game on them because the any competent offense would be able to beat a team if their defense forced seven straight punts. And this offense was not competent against Illinois. Um, Illinois had 127 offensive yards in the first quarter. Uh, then they had 27 in the second, 66 in the third, and 47 in the fourth. So... The defense just completely turned it on uh, after that game, or after the first quarter, and they just played terrific the last three of the game. Um, the 185 yards for Illinois on the ground was the most the Gophers allowed since week one against Ohio State, where they allowed 201. Uh, Illinois had 185 on 48 carries, and they averaged 3.9 yards a carry, which is still a good number, but uh, out of the ordinary for a defense that's been one of the best against the run in the entire country. Um, and it, it was good. Illinois' long run was only 19 yards, so uh, not allowing big plays really at all. Um, but Illinois' running back, Chase Brown, I think was their – Best, he's been their best player all season. He was their best player uh, on Saturday. He had 32 for 146 and a score. He, he was 4.6 yards on the ground per carry. Um, And obviously a lot of those came in the first quarter. And uh, it, it just it was a bad first quarter, but the defense responded, plain and simple. I don't think there's really much more to it after that. Uh, they played like they did all season. Uh, after the first quarter, and in the first quarter, they just had a bad 15 minutes. Uh, the defensive line played well again. Thomas Rush had the only sack of the game. He now has five and a half on the season. He's playing, continues to play very well. Um, Boye Mafe had another uh, solid game. He was making plays. He had four tackles, one big uh, for a loss. 
I remember that forced a third down, I believe, or forced a fourth down that was on a third down. And yeah, it just uh, when he's making plays like that, you can just see his NFL potential. He's going to be an NFL player. And then I think I think uh, Asesi Otomiwo might be the most underrated player on this team. He had five total tackles this week. And when people talk about the defensive line, they bring up Thomas Rush, they bring up Boye Mafe, they bring up uh, D'Angelo Trill Carter, they bring up Micah Treadway, Niles Pinckney. And then I think usually Asesi gets brought up at that point. And I think Asesi is an NFL player in his own right. And he, when he's on playing this well, he just looks like a strong defensive end. And I think he deserves some more uh, name recognition. Put some respect on his name. That's all I'll have to say. It was just an all-around solid performance for how slow of a start. And it was just a good response to see this team face adver- The defense faced adversity for, like, the first time all season. They responded, but not the offense. So nothing to complain on that front. Um, the linebackers, Gibbons and Mar- Mariana Sori Marin, uh, showed up again. I think Gibbons, uh, his energy is what turned around this game. You could, in that second quarter, he flipped a switch, and then the defense as a whole flipped a switch, I think. His nine total tackles and Sori Marin's 11 uh, were big in uh, the last 45 minutes of the game and helping uh, make Illinois be one-dimensional, or not even any dimensions. They just couldn't move the ball, and I think it was a lot to do from the linebacker play. Uh, as for the secondary, uh, Brandon Peters, Illinois' quarterback, only attempted nine passes, which is just absurd. That is the most Big Ten stat of all time. He attempted. He was seven of nine for eighty yards, and the Gophers lost. Um, and most of that uh, came early, so I don't know exactly how many yards he had in the first quarter, but I'm pretty sure it was at least forty. So he, he only had like 40 yards the last three quarters. But uh, there were three passing plays of 15-plus yards. Um, and that's obviously something the Gophers have struggled in. But they weren't really t- – the secondary really wasn't tested that much, especially the cornerbacks. The, it, I would – I don't have an exact number, but I would assume they only tapped, attempted like five passes in the last like three quarters, which is just absurd to think about. Uh, Illinois came in as the eighth worst passing offense in the country, so they just uh, they weren't doing something that they weren't good at. They just wanted to run the ball, and that's clearly what they did. Uh, the only time, I mean, so you could say they played well in this game, the secondary, but the only time they were tested, they did play well. So uh, I. Tyler Newbin and Jordan Howden recovered and weren't letting up big plays in this in the back end, which is great to see. Uh, but the cornerbacks, after starting out just not good at all and letting Illinois pass all over them, they, I I mean pass all over them and, uh, with a grain of salt because it was like forty yards. But for Illinois standards, that's passing all over. Them. But. So they, it, it was an odd game because you really can't take away much from it because they weren't tested much. Um, but overall, the uh, Joe Rossi deserves a lot of credit for how well this unit's playing, um, for responding after adversity to start the uh, half. That's that's good coaching, plain and simple. Um, 
And yeah, this defense is playing great, and this will be the reason why uh, the Gophers make it to Indianapolis, I think. This is the strength of the team. Um, special teams, uh, just want to touch on that. Matthew Trickett continues to struggle uh, with field goals. Uh, he missed another extra point in a field goal today, or on Saturday, excuse me. Um, I think at this point, Minnesota football, Vikings and Gophers just can't have good kickers. I think we're just cursed. Uh, if you're not superstitious and don't believe in curses, this one is real. I, the, the Gophers and the Vikings just can't have good kickers. Um, a lot of people on Twitter are calling for uh, the special teams coordinator, Rob Wagner, um, to uh, be dismissed and find someone new at that position. Um, I... I not, didn't value. I'm not, I'm not a big enough of a special teams guru to know how well of a job he's doing, but to consistently have kickers that aren't doing well, that's certainly not going to help your job. Um, but Trickett ranks um, 101 out of 108 NCAA kickers uh, qualified in field goal percentage. So that'll tell you, I think, all it needs to about how well he's kicking. He's 10 of 17 on the season. Um, so his seven missed field goals this year are three less than his 10 missed in the previous three full seasons combined. So I, I think Minnesota's just cursed because Trickett is a good kicker and he's just not making kicks. Um, and I think that's all, all the only analysis you need on that. Um, so what is next for this team? Like I said, and like now everyone knows, this team still controls its own destiny to win the Big Ten West. Um, the Gophers, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Purdue are all 4-2 and two in the conference. Obviously, Minnesota still plays Wisconsin and Iowa, and they hold the tiebreaker against Purdue. So if Minnesota beats Iowa, beats Indiana, beats Wisconsin, we will be playing in Indianapolis in the Big Ten Championship. Um, I think... The, the what will need to happen to get there is the quarterback situation and then the offense coordinator and play calling decision. It'll be the story of the season. I don't have the right answer, um, but whatever PJ decides to do and whatever, however this team reacts to the news or to the no news, the, either the decision or no decision of uh, keeping with what uh, with Sanford and Morgan or changing either one of those that will be that reaction will be uh, if or not this team wins the last three games of the year um, PJ Fleck was extended for a reason and this is why this is a decision that good head coaches make is back against is against the wall the team's back is against the wall this is when PJ's done the best uh Everyone's disrespected them. They have a chip on their shoulder again. They were ranked twentieth in the country. I think they were, they were smelling the roses. They were reading the press clippings, but now their back is uh, against the wall once again, and this team has a chance to respond. And if they respond, that will be uh, because of uh, coaching. I think it is because of the culture that uh, they built. Being able to lose to Bowling Green and then go on a, a four-game winning streak and then get ranked 20th in the country, that's culture. Like I, like PJ would say, like I would say. 
and losing to Illinois and then winning the last three games and going to the Big Ten Championship will be, if that happens, that'll be because of culture. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch down the stretch, and I think that that's uh, what I will leave this episode at for you guys today. I appreciate you listening, and always, row the boat, sky you ma, and go Gophers. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.